0: Okay, well hello lovely people, and welcome to episode 12 of Nath's Pod. Uh, I hope hope you've had a great week. Uh, It feels quite nice to be back at work and kind of get that routine back. Uh, And it's definitely nice to know what day and time it is after that weird Christmas, that time between Christmas and New Year where you, kind of, you don't seem to know what the time is or what the day is or anything. You just get thoroughly confused. But um, it's nice to have the change of not having to go to work, and it's always nice to be back, uh, going back to work. So that's good. Uh, anyway, for this episode, I thought I'd carry on uh, with a bit more of Abraham's story uh, this time. Uh, we've looked at his call away from his homeland and his family in Genesis 12. And then on the last episode, I shared some thoughts on the covenant that uh, God made with Abraham, uh, and we looked a bit at what the flaming torch might be and what the fire pot might be. Um, so for this episode, I thought I'd share some thoughts on Genesis 22, uh, which is a story that a lot of people probably know. Uh, it's the story um, about God asking Abraham uh, to sacrifice his his only son, Isaac. So um let's jump straight in. Now, in verse one of Genesis 22, it says that God did this to test Abraham's faith. That's the kind of context that's the way the chapter starts and the context around um, uh, around this. okay, And this is obviously how it's often taught, right? And obviously it should be taught like that, um, because it says it right at the beginning of the story, okay? It's about God seeing if Abraham who will give up the most precious thing in his life for him and prove if he's loyal and faithful to God above everything else. Now let's just skip back quickly because in episode two of this, I was talking about the, uh, not necessarily a story in the Bible, but about the Bible. And I spoke about a few things that helped me read the Bible and get more out of the stories that are in there. And one of them was called, uh, it talked about the 70 faces of the Torah. Now, if you remember, this was about seeing the Bible like a gem, and a gem has many different faces or facets uh, to it, and it, it can look different depending on where you are and what what angle you're looking at it. So now we so now we imagine that the Bible is the gem. Okay, so you look at one face of the gem, and then you turn it, so you're looking at a different face and seeing something different. Okay, it's still it's still the same gem. And in the Bible, it's still the same story or scripture, but it looks different from different angles or different perspectives. Okay, so let's try, let's have a look at this story from a different point of view and see what else we might be able to get out of it, see what else this might be telling us. So first, to remind us of the story, here is Genesis 22, verses one to 13.
1: and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son.
0: So the first question for me when I'm reading this is why does Abraham not question what God tells him to do? Why does he not question this command? Well, first of all, Abraham is coming from a culture that says you you just do what the gods ask of you so that they'll leave you alone and that your life will go well, right? So the gods were, were thought to be the ones um, who only brought bad things down on you, okay? They were angry and they were just waiting for someone to make a mistake so they could punish them. And if they were satisfied that you'd done enough for them, then they leave you alone and your family and your crops and your health and all your resources and things would be fine. Okay. So chances are that Abraham probably had more of a slave master type relationship with God. Okay. Just do what God says, hear the command that God brings to you and do it. All right. And don't argue. Right. But the problem with a slave master relationship is that you never really know what the gods are thinking, okay? You only knew what they commanded you to do and you only knew your position or your standing with the gods by whether you had a good year or not, okay? By whether you had a good or bad crop that year or, or whatever you were hoping for. Maybe it's that your wife got pregnant or your children were healthy or your children weren't healthy or whatever you know the only way you knew about that was what actually happened okay so with this in mind let's say you go to the temple and in worship to god the god that you're serving you decide to give 10% of your crops okay 10% of the yield that you got from from your crop and then later on that year your crops failed Okay, so chances are now you would probably assume that you hadn't sacrificed enough to the gods. So you then think that you should maybe give like 20% next time. So next time you give your 20% and this time you have a great yield. Again, it's happy days. The gods have been good to me. This is excellent. Everything's going well. But it comes time to sacrifice to them again. And now you don't know whether the gods were pleased with the 20% that you gave or whether they were pleased with the increase that you gave. Okay? So you decide that to make sure you you keep the gods happy, you'll give them 30% this time. So now that let's fast forward a few years and let's say now you're giving 70% of your crops, okay? Because you don't know how how much you've got to give, whether it's the percentage of what you have or whether it's the always the increase that gets you the, the good years. And so you give your 70% of your crops, but this time you have a bad year and your crops have failed. Well, now you can't really give anymore because otherwise you and your family are going to starve. So you decide, well, I need to give something more. And so as well as your crops, you begin to give your money and your possessions too. And gradually you keep giving more and more to keep the gods happy until you get to this, this Canaanite god Called Molech. That's M-O-L-E-C-H. Molech. Now, Molech is a is a horrible Canaanite god, okay? Because he was the god of child sacrifice. Uh, and in a, in a Yalkut, which is a a, a a collection of interpretations of the Hebrew Bible, or, or we would call it the Old Testament, a rabbi called Simeon says about Molech that the idol was hollow and was divided into seven compartments, in one in one of which they put flour, in the second turtle doves, in the third a ewe, in the fourth a ram, in the fifth a calf, in the sixth an ox, and in the seventh a child, which were all burned together by heating the statue inside. Horrible, right? Absolutely horrific, right? And it's also said the the priests of molech the people who served this god and 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 did all the stuff with putting the animals in the various chambers in the in this brass um, what would you call it uh, idol would bang drums they were bang drums when the sacrifice was burnt so that the parents wouldn't hear the child crying okay and this is absolutely horrific right and, uh, tragic actually that this has happened okay and it's tragic that actually child sacrifice still happens in some places in the world okay but what we have to know is that child sacrifice is like the ultimate end it's it's the kind of the most you can give in the slave master relationship to the gods okay it's like you keep giving more and more and more until you decide that you'll have to sacrifice the single most precious uh, love most loved part of your life which is your firstborn child. So now back to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, when God asks Abraham to leave his land and his family, verse 6 says that the land that Abraham had moved to was inhabited by Canaanites. This was where this was the Canaanite land. This is where they lived and had their towns and their probably nomadic tribes and things. Um And by the time we, so that's in Genesis 12, by the time we get to Genesis 22, Abraham had probably lived in that country for like at least 25, 30 years. Okay, so so for a few decades, Abraham was seeing and hearing about these Canaanite gods and seeing how the Canaanites practiced their worship and the sacrifices that they gave. So when Abraham hears God say to go and sacrifice his son, And then the next morning he gets to get everything he needs and goes out for the mountain. It's probably not an odd thing for God to ask. Okay? In fact, yeah, probably not an odd thing. And maybe Abraham was even expecting God to ask him to do something like this. So this may be why Abraham doesn't ask God why he has to do this. It could be a relatively normal thing, right, to do that I would sac- ultimately sacrifice the thing that is most precious to me in that time. Okay, Now, we find this absolutely gross and grim and unthinkable that this kind of practice would happen, um, and even that it might be normal. But we have to remember when we're reading these stories that we are in a culture that is so very different. Right? We live in very different times, and we live in very different places than Abraham did. So there's a few thoughts on, on why Abraham didn't question God when he asked him to sacrifice his only son. So the next question that I had when I read this is why would God ask Abraham to go to a mountain to do the sacrifice? Well, the most obvious reason you would worship on a mountain uh, is that it's seen as being closer to the heavens. Okay, When you're on the top of a mountain, it's like you're somehow between the heavens and the earth okay and divine mountains and divine places high places uh, were very important in ancient cultures okay so for the Greeks Mount Olympus was the highest peak in Greece okay it was the, the tallest mountain and so it was thought to be the home of the Greek gods right later in the Bible uh, Moses meets God on Mount Sinai um, and Mount Ida in Crete was believed to to be the birthplace of the god Zeus. So there are lots of these all over the world, and different cultures in in every kind of ancient culture seem to like to go higher on the earth in order to kind of be closer to the heavens almost. So that's why you would probably go to a mountain. And now let's go on to an altar, why we build an altar. Now we know that Abraham was in a land that was inhabited by the Canaanites. And the Canaanites would worship on high places, okay? Now, let's go back to Genesis 12. And Abraham, he leaves his family and where he used to live, and he heads towards the land of Canaan. And when he gets there, uh, God says, I'm going to give you this land. Uh, And the first night he's there, he camps beside the Oak of Moreh. That's M-O-R-E-H. and God says he's going to give them the land. And so Abraham built an altar to God right there, right next to this famous tree, this Oak of Moray. Now the Oak of Moray was probably a very ancient Canaanite shrine. Okay. It was also known as the uh, Diviner's Oak or Diviner's Oak. I suppose it's Diviner's probably. Um, but for the Canaanites special trees or groves of trees were places where they would worship their gods. So imagine this, that puts Genesis, you know, when he lands there in a slightly different context, okay? In that we have Abraham in Genesis 12 going to a Canaanite place of worship. And he probably did that because he knew where it was, okay? Uh, That was probably how he still worshipped actually. God hadn't told him as far as we know how to worship or do any of this stuff so he probably just did what he used to do looked around at what the people were doing around him and just did that. God didn't tell him to go there. Um, All that God said was that this is the land I'm giving you and then all the rest was up to Abraham. So he just did what he used to do. At the time that God called Abraham he may well have been worshipping multiple gods also because that's what they used to do his his father was uh, thought to be a an idol maker someone who would make small idols for people to worship uh and so for abraham coming out of that he just bought it with him and almost added god to the collection of gods that he already worshipped so he was going to build an altar in this place to a new god Well, that was just the thing to do. And chances are people worshiped all sorts of gods there. And Abraham was just adding another altar to this, just joining in the party. Okay. So here in verses one to 10, God is presented as essentially being like any other deity, any other god at the time. Right. Like seeing if Abraham could be trusted, asking him to sacrifice uh, his only son. Who is, who is a gift from God anyway, it talks about earlier on, uh, and going to a high place and building an altar, asking him to build an altar there. Um, as for Abraham, he heard the instruction. He woke up early. He told some servants to come with him and Isaac, chopped up some firewood. He loaded up a donkey and traveled three days until he spots the place he's going to do this. Okay, so Abraham is all in on this, right? He is... In his mind, he this is going to happen. He is going to sacrifice his son, okay? Um, so we have God looking the same as kind of any other Canaanite God seemingly at this point. And we have Abraham who is definitely going to go and do this. This is his purpose. This is what God has told him to do. So he's definitely going to do it, right? You don't argue with God. You just do what they say. And in fact, on the way, Isaac asks about the sacrifice because he probably realizes it's just me and dad walking up this mountain and he said we're going to build an altar and sacrifice something and he's probably seen and heard about the practices of the Canaanites and he's probably realising this is, might not go very well for him, okay? That this, this isn't just our oh, father-son camping trip, fun times, that this could end up in him being killed, okay? So then we come to the final question which is why is this story in here? Right, if 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 God is just going to be like any other God that they've seen or heard of, uh, a God that's angry and that demands sacrifices, and eventually will take from you the most precious thing you have, why would this be in here? Right, you could just hear from other people, you know, like we were saying the other week about about how we still see disasters and natural disasters as acts of God why would this story be in here? Well, here comes the twist, okay? Because this whole story is building up to verses 11 to 14, right? Now, in the way this is normally taught, we we focus on Abraham's obedience to God, okay? He ties up his son, he puts him on the altar, he takes a knife in his hand and he's about to kill Isaac, okay? And it's like the focus is on the fact that um Abraham is so faithful to do what God has asked that he was willing to kill his son, give, kill the son that had been given to him by God, okay? And that's, um, that's often the focus when we read or hear about this story. But what, what do we learn about God? Well, just in the nick of time, right at the end of this story in verses 11 and 12, the angel of the Lord shouts to Abraham to not kill his son, okay? Now, this is not what gods do. Normally, gods would take the sacrifice of your child, but this god doesn't do that, okay? And it's like this new idea, this, this new revelation of who God is, and we've seen it in Genesis 12 about blessing. We've seen it in 15 where he takes a punishment for Abraham and makes a covenant and says, even if you fail, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this on me. A new idea that comes like crashing into humanity, that this God is different to what we've known before. That There's a God who doesn't need you to give back to him, okay? In Genesis 12, it's like, I'm going to bless you, and then you're going to take on my uh, character and my kind of what I do, and you're going to bless others, okay? So this is a huge twist in the story, right? Imagine someone telling you this for the first time. when when you're living at the time of Abraham, right? You know the first part of the story because you've seen and heard it, right? You've been around this all the time, okay? You know about altars and high places. You know about having to sacrifice uh, to make sure the gods are happy. But then at the end of this story, something completely new and unexpected happens, right? And another reason that this this Side of it has become more of a focus for me is that it's exactly like some of the parables Jesus tells, okay? So things like the parable of the Good Samaritan or the parable of the prodigal son, right? Now, the people hearing those parables in Jesus' time, hearing those stories, would have thought they knew what was going to happen next, right? They were familiar with what would happen, uh, nor what would normally happen in in that context right at the beginning of the story but jesus throws in a twist at the end that's completely unexpected and would have shocked everyone who heard it and so and so this is the same with the abraham story here with god asking abraham to sacrifice isaac right it's the same thing and so we we see the fingerprints of jesus the mark of love uh not just in the New Testament, but in the whole Bible, right? We see a God here willing to provide for whatever we need. We see a God meeting people where they are, communicating to them in their own language and within their own culture, and then showing them something completely new that's full of hope and that something can be different. It doesn't have to be the same as it always has been. You can step into a new thing and you can bring something new and hopeful Into this world, and he begins to invite them into another step on their journey of becoming more hopeful and more loving and more fulfilled and more giving. Okay, so even though this story is pretty grim, and from our standpoint in history, it, it probably even seems old and barbaric and even possibly irrelevant even though some of us have heard and read this story lots of times from many different people uh, and in different places, it's still a story that something fresh can come out of, right? Something fresh can be seen and read in all of these stories, I believe, okay? So this is a story about Abraham's faith, but it also tells us something about who God is, it's also a story about God breaking through into the world and bringing in new thoughts and a belief that things don't have to always be the way they've always been. So, that was episode 12 of Nate's Pod. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, have a great week. And as always remember, I love you and I will see you next week.